Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Well, with interesting and stormy weather in some areas of North Dakota this week, it might take a bit for fish to settle down. But anglers on Devil's Lake could still see fair to good walleye activity. Try the north end of Creel Bay using slip bobbers and leeches or Scooter's Point on the main lake. East Bay is somewhat slow, but Mike's and Chain Lakes continue producing walleye. Access is becoming a little more difficult there, however, because of lower water elevations. It's also the time of year when anglers are enjoying good white bass activity from shore. Jamestown Reservoir is producing a mix of walleye, crappie, perch, and pike, while Spiritwood Lake is offering up some smallmouth bass. Over on Lake Ashtabula, anglers continue finding fair-to-good crappie success in shallow water. Try 9 to 11 feet along the weed lines and drop-offs out to 20 feet for walleye, pitching rattle traps or plastics. Some nice-sized pike are still showing up as well. The Missouri River tailrace is finally seeing a turnaround in success for walleye in the chutes, and anglers should try jigging downriver, work the spillway channel, or casting crankbaits from shore off the rocks at night. Lake Sakakawea remains spotty and inconsistent for walleye on the east end, with some anglers finding good success and other anglers, well, not finding a fish. Move around and try a variety of presentations, including crankbaits or casting jigs towards the shallow water. Smallmouth bass are quite active throughout the Indian Hills Resort area, while walleye are still elusive, at best, farther west in the Van Hook Arm. Lake Audubon remains fair to good for walleye, and there's still some nice smallmouth bass activity. It's the time of year for baby wildlife, so please remember to try not to disturb nesting birds and leave babies of all sizes and shapes alone, especially fawns. It's most likely that if a fawn is by itself, a mama deer is nearby watching and waiting for you to leave so she can tend to it. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. And we are very excited to welcome our guest, Tom Heinrichs from uh, the Minnesota DNR. Tom is the Mille Lacs Lake fisheries supervisor. Tom, welcome to Gone Outdoors. Thanks. It's good to be here. We're in the midst of, uh, um, you know, we're, we're a couple weeks into the fishing season here and folks are, folks are getting in the groove. It's Memorial Day now. Uh, we're seeing even more 
cabins opening up, folks getting their boats out on the water, and a lot of individuals headed your direction, headed over to Mille Lacs to take advantage of what your lake and that fishery has to offer. I know that there are some different regulations that uh, that have been put in place to manage the fishery. You are the expert, Tom. Uh, what are the changes that anglers are seeing here for 2021? Well, there's, there's actually quite a few changes, you know, this year. Um, you know, just to give you a little bit of background, there's a lot of diversity in what our anglers would like out of this fishery. And um, what we do is we try to satisfy as much of that as we possibly can. So some folks are primarily interested in harvesting some fish. Some folks are interested just in catch and release with some really good catch rates. And uh, so to that end, uh, we also have to manage within a, an allocation. In other words, and that's something we just can't go over. And so uh, to that end, what we've uh, got is a regulation that allows harvest through the month of May. So anglers are allowed to harvest one walleye between 21 and 23 inches. And then once we get into June, we go strictly uh, catch and release. And then uh, the fisheries actually shut down for the first two weeks in July. Uh, you can still come up and target um, uh, northern pike. You can target smallmouth bass. Uh, muskies are open then. After the second, going through the second half of July, we, um, we allow fishing for walleye again. And then... Because that isn't enough, then um, once we get into the middle of September, then we allow anglers to harvest a walleye again, and that uh, um, harvest slot's going to be from 21 to 23 inches long again. So I'm guessing that a lot of those regulations are because you have that quota that you have to follow, but um, I'm guessing some of it also is because of the fact that uh, mortality is a little bit harder in summertime you know, catch and release mortality. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. So um, our quota isn't just based on the poundage of um, walleye that anglers take home. It's also based on an estimate of how many walleye are dying after being released. And that's something that, um, that we have to account for by, by agreement with the 1837 treaty ban. And so um, there's been two studies done on Mille Lacs that show that um, there's a pretty strong positive correlation between water temperature and uh, the percentage of fish that are dying after they're being released. And um, through time, you know, we've been doing this for a number of years now and uh, monitoring temperatures. And what we find is that sometime in July is when our water temperature peaks, uh, which is why we shut it down in that first half of July. By shutting it down for two weeks in July, we feel that uh, we can avoid an unplanned closure um, later on in the year. Uh, so in other words, we, we allow the fishery to continue and, um, and and thereby provide the maximum amount of, um, of angling opportunity that we can for anglers. Tom, how long have you been working in your role with the uh, Mille Lacs fishery? I've been here for um, all three years. I have to imagine that this lake and this ecosystem and this fishery is uh, truly, it's challenging, right? I mean, the way it sounds with the complex uh, uh, regulations, it, it, is a, it is a challenging puzzle to put together. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, it is a challenge, you know, both from the social aspects as well as the biology. You know, the um, um, the lake the lake has just changed so much over a relatively short period of time. That includes things like uh, productivity has gone down in the lake. Um, we've had uh, any number of aquatic invasive species come in. We've got a you know fairly robust zebra mussel population. We've got 
um, spiny water fleas here. And at the same time that, uh, that those things have come in, we really haven't had a reduction in the amount of um, interest that anglers have in harvesting walleye here. And so basically what's happened is that there's a lot more demand for the resource than what the resource can support at this time. That's an equation that's got to be difficult to balance on everybody's end. Uh, you you mentioned earlier, Tom, that it was 21 to 23 inches that were open that, that anglers could keep one fish in that range. What is it about that size range that makes them chosen to be able to be harvested? Well, that's easy. It's because that's kind of a, a soft spot in the size distribution. In other words, there's um, that, that that's a that's an area that uh, there, there's really not that many fish, and so um, we can allow. You know, it sounds strange, but we can allow anglers to harvest. You know, in in a size group of fish that isn't terribly abundant, but that's primarily set up to um, reduce the overall harvest um, within the lake. Um, that that makes sense. So so Tom, with you talked about the size size range in the fish. How have they been the last few year classes or have they been pretty good or? Um, the only strong year classes that we've got in the, in the population right now are the uh, 2013 year class, which was super strong. And then the 2017 year class is also uh, strong. Now, having said that, you know, having only two strong year classes like that, you know, the good thing has been that uh, since the 2013 year class came along, We've actually only documented one year class that was weak, and that's the 2014 year class. The others have actually been um, pretty moderate year classes. So it was just average. You know, we're we're pretty happy with average at this point. You know, because before that 2013 year class came along, we had four uh, year classes that were actually very weak, and that's reflected in that um, in that dip in the size structure in that 21 to 23 inch size range. So, Tom, I got another question for you. You know, there's a lot of predators in that lake with walleyes and smallmouth bass and muskies. Do the amount of large predators in the lake have a correlation with the walleye population? Um, you know, the most abundant predator in the lake is, is walleye. And uh, what we found uh, through some studies, through some um, some food habit studies, is that uh, walleye are going to be the most abundant predator on on small walleye so even though we do have northern pike and we do have muskies in the lake you know they they're they're just not abundant enough to impact that walleye population the walleye pretty much impact themselves that is interesting tom i appreciate your insight in that because i think that's something that a lot of people don't fully understand and it's easy to jump to a conclusion to think maybe it's uh it's one of the other species that are having that effect on uh, on the walleye population I have to say that from Scott and I, we, we are big fans of the, the DNR, the biologists, the fisheries managers, and, and all the work that you do, not just in Mille Lacs, but statewide. And, and I certainly would not want to hold you to anything, but what do you see for the future? What, where do you see this going? Are you seeing things trending in the right direction where you're, you're happy with some of the progress? Well, you know, that's, that's actually a difficult question, you know, with regard to being happy towards the progress. You know, what we're seeing is that the walleye population is actually relatively stable right now, you know, and that's, um, you know, partially because of, um, you know, a bunch of moderate year classes being produced. It doesn't seem like there's an awful lot of room for this population to expand just because we've had productivity declines. We've had uh, um, zebra mussels, the way they function in the system is they um, they basically take 
food resources away from the pelagic food web, which is what walleye rely on, and um, and redistribute it down to the uh, to the bottom of the lake, which is what other species rely on, such as smallmouth bass. So at the same time that walleye have maybe taken a bit of a dip, you know, smallmouth bass have certainly expanded. And, um, you know, and it's not that smallmouth bass are displacing walleye or anything like that. It's, it's they're taking advantage of the rechannelization of the whole food web. So, um, you know, what do I see for the future is um, that, you know, we've got a fairly stable walleye population. And as long as um, anglers are content with um fairly limited harvest opportunities but uh, very good catch rates and uh, you know a half decent size structure then i think i think that's good you know we can continue down that road into the future that's fantastic tom heinrich malax lake fisheries supervisor from the minnesota dnr well it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of outdoors live appreciate the podcast extra being made available by scotty brewer and kyle agri uh, make sure you check out them saturday mornings at 11 o'clock And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.